All right. Welcome back. New Guys Podcast, Season 3, Episode 2. Um, go over the basics like we always do. Be sure to follow us on Insta, New Guys Pod, and on TikTok. New Guys Pod, right, Anthony? New Guys Same Pod, handle. correct. All right, all right. Um, and then, yeah, we leave all of our handles in the, in the description. And you guys already know that if you've listened to us before, but we always like to remind you, uh, we can hop right into it. You Today's forgot demo. the most important one, no Snapchat. Uh, yeah, that yeah. too. <laughs> Come on. Um, today's deadline day in the NBA just ended about two hours ago. Um, I would say it was pretty eventful. There was a lot of there. Maybe wasn't like any major. I mean, other than Oladipo getting moved, there wasn't any major deals. But um, and Vucevic. But I think overall, like there was probably fifteen to twenty trades that happened. We'll focus in on the Celtics to begin with, and then we can talk about any other ones that we uh, deem important. But um, the Celtics made minimal moves. It wasn't it, it wasn't anything special for them. They did acquire Evan Fournier from the Magic for pretty much nothing. I think um, it was two seconds, and Jeff T got thrown in the deal at the last second. So, I mean, pretty minimal from, from the Celtics. I actually liked the deal um, when it first happened. I was like, he, Fournier averages like 20 points a game. He's like 38% from three. He's like pretty good. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think it's still a disappointment for the Celtics because it seemed like every other team got better. Um, and if the and if the other team didn't get better, it was the Nets or the Sixers that don't really need to get better. So, you know, teams like the Heat um, acquiring Aladipo and now they've got like a very good team. Um I think the Celtics were kind of in the the middle of like the pack and they didn't know whether to, you know, send stuff out and try to bring a big guy in or just stand pat. And they kind of got, I think they kind of pulled from both sides. Um, I think that overall though, I'd probably get like a, like a B maybe. I mean, I think Fournier is a great pick and if they can extend them, I would give them, you know, what he wants because we got bird rights on him now. But what do you guys, we can just start with your with your thoughts and then maybe throw a grade at the end of uh, your analysis. We'll uh, we'll go, let's give Dylan, let's give Dylan the return of Dylan uh, the first the first um, analysis. At first, when it was just the Fournier trade, um, I would have given it a pretty good grade. But then they traded Tice for like Mo Wagner for like, yeah, I don't really know why they did that. And to be honest, I see that as a downgrade because they do similar things, but Mo Wagner is more of a liability on defense than Tice is. Um, neither of them are true starting caliber centers. It was just a random deal that they just decided to do. I love the Fournier trade because we didn't give up anything substantial. We just got him for two second-round picks or whatever. So that was a good deal. We boosted our scoring. You know, We needed scoring depth because not, our bench was pretty weak. We didn't improve in the big man uh, position like we needed to, and we're two games under 500 right now. So... Um, I probably would have given it like a B plus, maybe even an A minus when the Fournier trade went down. But then we traded Tice for virtually no reason. So I would probably grade like the trade deadline moves, like maybe like a C plus at best, B minus, because I didn't expect Ainge to do anything in the first place because he's always stingy when it comes to trading. He just didn't really do anything that really like struck me as like, wow. So. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think I was expecting, you know, the Fournier move is definitely really good. I think he'll be a great piece off the bench as your sixth or seventh man because we all know that our bench has been terrible the whole year but um i was expecting like aaron gordon too or some other kind of player like that because as much as aaron gordon isn't a star superstar um he's definitely a guy that can help you out a lot on the defensive end he can, he's a big guy he can guard definitely um like two through four maybe even some fives but 
Yeah, I mean, Mo Wagner's cool, but you, again, you gave up Daniel Tice, who's on an expiring deal, I believe, but mm-hmm. uh, it just it doesn't really help you. If anything, it kind of hurts you giving him up, but uh, they just I don't really think they improved. I think they kind of stood pat overall. If you look at, like, I'm sure their, their wins and losses didn't really uh, move at all, whereas you look at the Heat, a team that's in kind of a similar standing to us. Obviously, they're a little bit better right now, but you know, we're not we're not going to be able to beat, I think, the one through three or four seeds when it's all said and done this year. Don't say uh, that because the Hornets are currently the fourth seed, and Glenn would love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's why I force, added that little bit again when it's seed, all said yeah. and done. Yeah, I, th- I think the Hornets are going to fall off. Hopefully, I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Um, can't let Graham have that over us. But I think you know the Heat, Bucks, Nets, Sixers. We're not we're not getting over them in a series. So uh, I think Ainge just kind of made a couple moves to keep the fans kind of happy to make him think that he's actually trying to make some moves, but I think everything that we're expecting is probably going to come in the off season if anything does happen. So I'd give it like a, like a C plus B minus like Dylan said. Yeah. I'm going to give them an A for effort just because Danny Ainge <laughs> actually went ahead and did something or at least tried to. But at the same time, we even said it last week, uh, this team wasn't no trade we make is going to push us over the hump and make us a, a contender right away. Cause we're honestly not contenders this year. Because the East is honestly so top heavy, and we just can't seem to compete with them. But um, I like the Fournier trade. Um, but at the same time, once again, trading Daniel Tice for absolutely nothing. Um, I think Lonzo Ball was another guy you really could have went after. I know he was in talks with the Bulls, but I think he would have been another um good asset in terms of scoring because I feel like the Celtics are really depleted when it comes to scoring right now. But at the same, t- I don't know. You got to give him, I say, a C plus. But just because of the fact that Danny Ainge uh, went ahead and actually did something, I'll boost it up a little bit to a B minus. It's also important to note that um, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's also important to note that I'm pretty sure Fournier is on an expiring contract. Yeah, yes. If you trade for if you trade for an expiring mm-hmm. contract, and you also have like young players, you get like well, I think we paid all our young players, but um, it's just like you trade for expiring contracts when you're making that push that's going to push you over the edge into tender. I still don't really think we're in that spot. So it was kind of just a random trade to keep us, I guess, like competitive, you know, likely be able to get out of the first round depending on who we verse. But I just don't see us stacking up against like the, the you know, juggernauts in the East, like a healthy Sixers team, the Nets yeah. went healthy, you know, the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, I think that it all comes back to the, to the Nets at this point. I think, Look, the Sixers, like, you know, Embiid says injury problems. <clears throat> um, the Bucks, you know, we competed with the Bucks last night. It was came down to a, ironically, Tice, you know, missing a wide open. Yeah, play. Wagner would have made that shot. <laughs> yeah. But I think it, it's funny how it comes down. I feel like it always comes back down to the Nets and the fact that anyone at the deadline that you could have gotten, you know, wasn't going to put you above the Nets. You could have gotten... I mean, completely honest, like you could have gotten Victor Oladipo and Nick and Vucevic, and I still would have said the Nets would win a seven-game series because the star power on the team is just, I mean, it's it's just insane. I mean, they got two top four or five players in the league and then Kyrie Irving. So I think there wasn't much. I don't If people were expecting us to, to go after, like, a Vucevic or a Oladipo, I don't think it was going to happen. Kemba constrains our cap too much for us to really make any of those big moves. Um, but I still... I still got to give Ainge credit because, to be honest, I think we fleece the Magic with the Fournier trade. Uh, two second-round picks, I mean, those are useless. Let, let's be honest, especially with Ainge picking, you know, in the second round. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and I think I think we'll get I think we'll sign Fournier to, to an extension. I know he's going to want 
a good amount because he's performed really good this season. And if he keeps it up in the playoffs, you know, he, it's just only going to raise his stock. But now that we have, um, you know, some cap space um, because because of, uh, you know, the bird rights on him uh, with Kemba, you know, coming up on his the end of his contract. I think you can afford to spend 20 ish million on Evan Fournier. If he can be if he can stay a 17, 18 point per game player, um, there's your there's your third score and your third wing um, with Tatum and Brown. And, you know, who knows, maybe you can, maybe you can make some other moves in the off season and come back stronger. But I mean, I think I agree with you guys with the Tice situation. I don't, it seems like kind of a pointless trade. I do think it brought us under the luxury, which I think was the main, main motive behind the trade. We wanted mm-hmm. to get um, back under the luxury tax. So if that's the case, whatever I, Tice wasn't impressing me this season at all. And he got dogged by Bam last season, which pretty much <laughs> eliminated us from the playoffs. So let's see what Wagner can do. Um, but I mean, other than that, I, it sucks because the Nets are just such a strong team, and there's not much, not much you can do this season. Yeah, I think, like you said, Jordan. I mean, even if the Nets aren't fully healthy, they just have K- um, Kyrie and Harden. We don't really know what's going on with KD right now, but like, we're not going to get past them just because uh, that star power alone is enough to take us down. But I think um, I heard there's like some fans talking about it. There really weren't many reports about it. But what do you guys think about? Like, should we have gotten rid of Kemba? Should we have done something with that? Because he really hasn't been too I, impressive over the past couple I think of games. He's, I think he's unmovable at this point. I don't think mm. I don't think it's so much of, like, we didn't want to get rid of him. I think it's literally, like, a team doesn't want him. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I, you look at him, like, he... Sorry to cut you off, but, like, he <clears throat> doesn't play amazing defense, obviously. His scoring is ma- his main attraction, and that yeah. has been way yeah, down I mean, this year. And yeah. the fact that he doesn't play back-to-backs, right, he's playing in, like... He's not playing maybe like a quarter of, of, of your games, maybe less. But I mean, that lingering knee issue is just, you know, consistently wearing him down. We thought it was going to be, you know, all said and done with after he had that procedure in the offseason. But it's just really coming back to haunt him. So I really don't know um, what the, like, the longevity of his career is going to look like if he's still sitting out back to backs. And we're going to have to play our young guys 35, 40 minutes a night just to be yeah. able to compete with some of these other teams. But what do you think Kemba's worth at this point? With that lingering knee injury, you don't know how really much, much he's got yeah. left in the tank. Mm-hmm. So, do you think a, a move for really pretty much nothing would have been worth it for Kemba, who honestly still has the potential to spring out? And he, hell, I feel like if he did um, move, if, I feel like if we did, if the Celtics did move Kemba Walker, it would bite them in the butt eventually. Because I feel like he would end up going off or popping off somehow. Maybe he gets traded to a team like, I don't know, the, the, the Knicks, and they end up we end up playing the Knicks and the, the Celtics get bounced in the first round mm. by the Knicks. So, yeah, I mean, the problem is, is like Kemba's in that spot where he's not, it's not like he's a Chandler Parsons who had probably the worst <laughs> contract in NBA history for like four years. And he was just horrible. Like Kemba's yeah. not horrible. Kemba can still put up, he can still put up a 30 bomb any night. The, the, the problem is he's not consistent enough and you have to find a team right now that's completely out of playoff contention that has enough room for a 30, 35 million dollar contract and who would just be willing to take them on for the next couple of years. I mean, the teams just aren't, you know, you're, it's hard, you're hard to press to find a team that was willing to pretty much sacrifice the next two years to just take on a deal. And I think you'd have to send probably a first with Kemba and get nothing back. So are you willing to throw a first in there and just waste a first to get rid of Kemba's contract? I don't know. I don't think, I think you'd be giving up on the season if you traded Kemba. Um, because you wouldn't be get, you wouldn't be getting anything back that was that would be considerable 
and you know pushing you to the playoffs yeah that's um that's similar because like i kind of think that when people say things like because the Celtics are in desperation mode so i think when people say like trade kemba fire brad stevens i think that they yeah. they're kind of in like 2k mode where they think that trading is going to get them from like star in return at yeah. this point with kemba's contract and is and how inconsistent he is and how it just seems like you know to so many people it seems like he's progressed nobody's going to want to give us a even i don't even want to say all-star account like even like a role player like they're going to be reluctant to give up anything useful so we would be trading away kemba and in return we like we would be less contenders like then than we are now so yeah. um i don't really think we i don't really think trading kemba would have been the smart move but we're just in a really weird situation where um he's kind of just like there and there's not much we can do about it so yeah. we're gonna go forward with him and see how it goes and like i mean the, no bias at all but the the one player that that really could have been on the table in a chemistry trade is Russell Westbrook just because of the situation the Wizards are in they're not they're not making the playoffs most likely Beal gets talked about a lot about moving getting moved if the Wizards wanted to have a fire sale you know would it have been smart for the Celtics to say look we'll give you Kemba Walker and um you know maybe another Nee Smith and a first and we'll and you give us Russell Westbrook I mean Westbrook's been you know averaging close to 30 points in the last like 10 to 15 games he's turned it mm-hmm. on like he usually does in the second half he would he would be a better um you know help you get further into the playoffs than than Kemba Walker would at this point but he's the only one with his with the contract comparison that would work and evidently right. the Wizards ended up holding on to pretty much everyone except Mo Wagner is now on the yeah. Celtics so um and despite his turnovers I mean he is a, a playmaker for sure just like due to the yeah. gravity that he has um yeah but I mean I was just looking at the the standings that are you know Four through arguably nine in the East is kind of like a, it's like a cluster, you know yeah. what? It's just yeah. absolutely messy. But I mean, the Celtics could very easily have to end up in like the play-in at the, at the <laughs> nine or ten. I don't care because like the Bulls got um, a lot better adding obviously yeah. Vucevic, you know, adding an all-star center. And yeah. the Hornets, I mean, they, they've, they've won a couple games in a row and who knows, they could stay afloat long enough for Lamelo to come back if he's supposed to be back in four weeks or whatever. If you don't really turn it around, even though we have an easier uh, schedule the second half of the year, like the Knicks, you know, the, the, they're playing Knicks good basketball, good defensive basketball. Yeah. And the yeah. Hawks, they kind of have our number. They've kind of kicked our ass the last couple of times we played them. Yeah. So and you got the Bucks again on Friday. I, yeah. Yeah. So it really doesn't like look great. If you kind of look at the, the rest of the season, the outlook that we have it kind of in some trouble, like treading water barely. I think that, like, I, I, and I'm still, I still think we'll get in the playoffs. I still think we'll secure one of the spots and not have to play in. And I think the return of Smart, Marcus Smart, is, is once he gets back into it, because he's not played well the past couple of games. Slowly, but once you gotta, gets, like anything, you got to slowly get back into it. And he'll, I think he'll return to um, first team all defense caliber type player. Yeah. And, and exactly that. Like, we talked about, we just said, you know, the Hawks have had our number. Trey Young, you know, getting bodied up by Smart is a lot different than him getting bodied up by Jeff Teague or Kemba Walker. Like, the, the defensive uh, liabilities when Smart isn't on the court, at least at the one and two position, is extraordinary. And now I'm glad Teague is gone because he couldn't play defense to save his life. Um, Kemba's still a huge problem. But I think, you know, Smart g- gives you the ability to kind of move guys around and smart can you know stay on that number one guy that they have um you even saw him guarding Giannis at some points uh in last night's game so I think the return of smart will push him 
far enough. I mean, we say it every week. The talent on the team is there. It's the same roster that got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, pretty much, minus Gordon Hayward. But, um, you know, you've got your two stars. You've got your complementary and uh, Kemba Walker. And then you've got the role players and Pritchard and um, Robert Williams and Smart. I mean, the, the team is built like a playoff team. It's not that, you know, there's there's too much um, relying on the, the stars. At this point, they are. But we've seen it before where, you know, players can turn it on just like that. And I think that, I think they will eventually find it, even though it's like a, um, people keep saying that, you know, well, Celtics will find it. Celtics will find it. I think they will eventually, you know, catch a win streak and secure their spot. And somewhere in the middle, I think four five, six is where they'll, where they'll end up. Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're getting impossible to watch. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, we can, we can kind of review, I guess we can kind of go over like the other NBA deals as well. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about the Celtics. Um, and I mentioned at the beginning, Oladipo to the heat. Um, the one thing I'll rounds say about that, that trade, <laughs> what absolutely, absolutely rounds out that team, man. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. They, I mean, the heat were in talks with Lowry and the Raptors. They were in talks with the old, with Victor Oladipo and the, the Rockets the entire week. And then, when that trade happened, I don't know how you, if you guys saw, you know, when Woj tweeted it out, they, he didn't say who the Heat got, who had to give up. And I'm thinking, okay, Hero is either going over or Duncan Robinson is going over. And then it's Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, and a pick swap. So not only did the Rockets get literally nothing for James Harden <laughs> in totality, because <laughs> they, they could have had Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, and instead they have, you know, the three I just mentioned in like a bunch of picks. Um, mm-hmm. But the Heat, I mean, Jimmy Butler and Oladipo, at the at the two and the three most likely, or maybe the one and the two, depending on the. That's a gross defensive backcourt, and yeah. you know, obviously, all the other complementary pieces they have with Hero and Duncan Robinson, and I mean, that's a scary team. And just like that, they, you know, there there was some conversation about who was a better team in terms of talent. At this point, you know, you have to give it to the Heat, and that just hurts the Celtics even more because it makes them, you know, have to try even harder to get that four or five six seed. What do you guys think about um, that that trade for the Heat? I mean, I remember earlier in the season when um, the Heat started off poorly because they were, like, dealing with COVID and injuries. Everybody was so quick to write them off. And you don't just, like, I understand that it was, there was the bubble, but, and I honestly might have um, been one of the, I think I might have said in, in an earlier episode that I thought that the Heat were frauds, <laughs> but, um, and I still didn't believe I that. But um, I still think that they're a very talented team, and I thought people were a little too quick to write them off. They didn't really have Jimmy or Bam, and now that they've got, like, everybody back, um, and they just traded for a former All-Star who, even though he's not what he used to be, and a lot of his numbers in Houston have come from him taking a lot of shots, he still is a very, if you even want to put him as a third option, he's a very viable third option, and he plays great defense. Um, that's a very scary team. That team was already very talented defensively because when you've got Eric Spolster coaching you and you've got Jimmy Butler, Bam out of bio, and just pretty much talent everywhere, um, it's just a scary team. Uh, I think that they could definitely hold their own with teams like the Bucks, the Sixers, the Nets, better than the Celtics can at this point. Um, I'd probably put them like, like either the third or the fourth team in the Eastern Conference, like if we're doing like power rankings. Um, and I think that they could definitely make some noise. I don't know if they'd be able to take the Nets in a seven-game series, but I definitely think that I would be able to um, see it going into like six or seven games. So uh, I think it was a good deal, especially since they didn't have to give up really anything. Kelly Olynyk, yep. not good. And Avery Bradley, I don't even think he was a rotational player. So <laughs> uh, that was a smart move. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like, Pat Riley's just done it again. Like, I mean, you look at their roster, and basically they're kind of running it back into going down the stretch this year with a lot of the same key pieces they had last year plus Oladipo, which is just, I mean, a lot of people didn't expect them to get out of the second round, let alone the the um, the first round, I think, um, last year. And then up getting to the finals, obviously, you know the story there. But I think they have huge upset potential for a team like the Nets if they're not fully healthy or even if they are. Like, we, we've seen how they turn it on in the playoffs, um, like we saw last year. So I would even put them as high as, like, the, the two, maybe even, like, the one if they, if they play their ability just because of, uh, we know how good a coach Eric Spolstra is, and you know, come playoff time, he could probably work something around Steve Nash, where he's able to outcoach him and figure something out. Uh, so I'd say definitely like Eastern Conference Finals, Finals is is totally their ceiling with the moves that they made. And that Rockets are just idiots. It's I, I don't even I don't <laughs> even understand how you, how you can that up. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, um, Oladipo has been out for a little bit. Uh, I think he was out the last two games. I, I'm not sure if he's battling an injury or anything, but yeah. in the time that he's been playing, he's a, he's averaging like 21 a game this year. And you just keep adding scoring to a Heat team that can be really flashy when guys like Tyler Hero and guys like um, – I'm forgetting his name. But uh, even Jimmy Butler Duncan when he Robinson. gets hot. Duncan Robinson, yes, the other yeah. young kid. Um, when they get streaky, they, they're hard to stop. And you add a guy like Oladipo into that rotation and that lineup, I don't know. Like Pat said, he really uh, invoked the thought that they really could upset the Nets if they're not healthy, if Kevin Durant doesn't get back. And yeah. I think they honestly have more depth. than yeah. I think the depth of the Heat right now could beat an unhealthy, um, star-studded, top-heavy Nets team. I, with, with KD in the lineup and KD healthy, it's a different story. I honestly think it could go either way, but I'm putting money on the Nets if I had to. But no Kevin Durant. You're you're leaving it up to Harden and Kyrie, which they will still make it competitive. It will still be a very competitive seven-game series. But at the end of the day, I think Miami's depth is going to get them far, and I think they could eventually upset a team like Philly or Brooklyn. Mm. And you make a good point with the Nets. I mean, let's be completely honest. Harden hasn't impressed really anyone in the playoffs in many years. I mean, he's, he, he's, he had the run against the Warriors where he came, you know, the Rock team so close and then shot whatever it was from three um, to get eliminated. Yeah. But I mean, in general, Harden has not been um, the playoff performer you'd expect him to be. So it raises a good point. If Kevin Durant has to miss time, the burden throws goes and gets thrown right on Harden. Can Harden carry the team past the likes of the Bucks or the Heat or the Sixers? You know, who knows at that point? But um, I mean, I, yeah. As for the 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 Oladipo trade, to be honest, I think I think it it makes um, the Heat a lot better in a couple of ways. But one is it lifts the burden off of the younger guys um, that they probably had last year. I mean, they were they Tyler Hero was expected to pretty much be, you know, the one or the the two or the three on that team during the playoff run. He did it, and, and Duncan Robinson played out of his mind as well. But you can't expect him to run that back next season, and you already see Tyler Hero kind of regress a little bit from last year. Um, now it kind of lifts a little bit of pressure off them and it throws it on Oladipo who has been around and who's been in the playoffs with multiple teams um, and, you know, knows what it's, what it's like to um, have to perform in the playoffs. So it's kind of like now you get the Butler Oladipo comma, and then you've got hero and Duncan Robinson who've shown that they can, you know, light it up like Anthony said, and they get streaky and that's, and that's that for the, for the, for the night. 
But um, yeah, it certainly helps them. And, you know, like I said, it, it just hurts the Celtics even more because it just puts another team above them. You know, there was question about whether the Heat were better. But at this point, I think it's pretty certain that uh, they have the advantage over us. Um, so we can wrap up the NBA talk. That's, the, you know, the Vucevic trade We can. It's not really that big. I think that the Bulls don't really get. I mean, the Bulls get better, but they don't. First time they I don't see. become contenders. Yeah, they, they, don't, come, yeah. they don't, don't become contenders, really. Um, but it's a good move. But we can move on to the, the Patriots quickly. Um, since we last recorded, we kind of went over all the free agent stuff, but they did make two other moves kind of a little bit later. Kind of unexpected. I would say both of them are unexpected. Um, James White comes back on a one-year deal, I believe. And yeah. David Andrews comes back on a four-year deal. Both of them, like I said, pretty surprising. I'd say David Andrews even more so because when we signed Ted Karras back, I think everyone thought Andrews is gone. He's going to go get his payday. You know, fast forward 24 hours and he wants to come back on like a really low base salary deal for the season, um, which is great because he's obviously the, our best offensive lineman. And then James White, I think, you know, that's a great signing too to, to bring him back. He gives another option for the for the um, Patriots and, you know, he's pretty well known obviously in new England and uh, he knows the playbook well enough to, you know, not really have to learn much. So what do you guys think um, about those? You guys think that, uh, which one do you like better? And then what do you think about both of them? I think the Andrews deal, I cannot believe how team friendly that is. The fact that he took that is like little, it's literally unbelievable to me. So I think that that move is definitely my favorite. He's uh, a leader on the, Offense for sure. You know, he's been here for however many years now. Um, I think he's 28 or 29. So just to have that presence there, especially when you have some movement on the O-line, you know, you got some, um, you're bringing back uh, Trent Brown. And I believe there's one other um, move they made with the offensive line. Maybe I'm mistaken. But even just to have him there in wake of all the new offensive pieces you've brought in is definitely some sense of stability for the guys who've already been there. And hopefully it makes that transition a little easier um for the new guys and this kind of new look offense that we're going to have so um i think it's just like you know can't say enough good things about it david andrews is a great guy great guy in the community great guy for the team and uh yeah it's a great deal for them i don't know how they swindled that got him to take that deal because like if i were yeah. him i would I, w- I wouldn't blame him if you want to chase the bag at all i'm gonna agree with pat i think the patriots re-signing andrews is definitely uh much better than re-signing James White, just because of the fact that I feel like we have so much depth at the running back position between Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead coming back. Uh, J.J. Taylor is even a good option on third down. James White, I feel like he didn't really have his role in the offense this year. He did, but he kind of felt like the odd man out, and it made sense for him to go and play for a team like Green Bay, who was probably going to be a contender like they were this year. But at the same time, I think David Andrews coming back to this team is absolutely freaking huge. We even wrote off, all right, he's gone uh, last week, and then the podcast goes up, and even before it goes up, he's a, he's a, he resigns. Yeah. So bringing him back with, obviously, Trent Brown returning, Isaiah went on the O-line still, Shaq Mason, that O-line is going to be absolutely scary, and I think Damian Harris is bound to have a really good year behind that line. He could even go for 1,000, honestly. I think the talent is there with him. He goes, he gets really streaky. He can easily run for a hundred per game, and it's just a good move for the Pats. I mean, I think Harris is still a good uh, center, but at the same time, David Andrews is all reliable. He's the centerpiece, literally the centerpiece of that offensive line. So bringing him back is just a great move for them. So 
you really can't complain. And the fact that he took less is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, uh, I, I, agree. I agree with what you said. I mean, I think the uh, the part about Damian Harris is we can kind of transition like into um, the rumors that are swirling about draft, even though we kind of went over them last week. But Justin Fields rumors have kind of picked up uh, reports saying that the Patriots are really high on him. We've heard that before, obviously, about multitude of players and we end up just not drafting them. But it is interesting to see a QB that's so highly rated in the draft um, reportedly being, you know, seeking a lot of interest from the Patriots. Um, I think, again, like in terms of who, who we would go target, I think the Falcons at what, six is probably the main thing. And to wrap that into the into your discussion about James White and Damian Harris, like do, do they look to maybe get Sony Michelle? I, I know he's not, you know, that kind of a value at this point. Um, but he did have a great rookie year and was, you know, a key part in um, taking us to this to the Super Bowl that year. So I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think he still, I think a team looking for a running back, kind of like Atlanta, because Todd Gurley's, you know, he kind of on his last leg. Sorry. Yeah, um, I think they maybe you could throw that in and sweeten the deal. I'm not saying it would be the main piece, but I think maybe now that you got James White back, you have Damian Harris who broke out. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to grab another running back later in the draft. If Atlanta is willing to bite on like a Michelle and Gilmore in your 15th pick or something like that, you know, they're getting, uh, you know, two good young players and then, you know, a star corner, you know, maybe you can get them to bite on that. And there's your, there's your QB. But I think the James White signing is good for the fact that he's going to be on the field, but it's also good because it gives them a little bit of wiggle room with, if they want to move Michelle or another piece on that offense, they can do so because White kind of acts as a receiver and running back. Um, but what do you guys think? We can just go quickly about about Fields, the rumors. We, you know, we do this every week pretty much, but it seems like it's becoming a little bit more likely that we may try to move up. Um, what do you guys think about Fields? I know there's kind of mixed mixed feelings about how he would translate to the NFL and Ohio State quarterbacks don't usually do well. But what do you guys think? I like it, honestly, just because of the fact that, hey, he's a young kid, might as well take a shot at him. But at the same time, that conflicting argument in my head saying, is Belichick going to move up? Because he's honestly more likely to move back than move up. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we're getting played again in terms of, oh, this is the next quarterback of the Patriots. He's going to be the successor to Tom Brady. It's like I've been playing. I'm just so numb to that at this point. It's like, yeah. all right, it's not going to happen. But if it happens this year, I feel like it's more likely to happen this year than ever. But at the same time, I feel like Belichick's definitely going to go with another linebacker or another um, interior defensive lineman at that 15 pick, or he'll even trade back. But like Jordan said, I think a deal swapping the 15 and Sony Michelle. And note that the Falcons don't even have a running back right now. Ito, Ito Smith is their number one guy. Gurley's a free agent right now. So... Maybe bringing in Michelle, get another Georgia running back in that backfield like Gurley just was, a younger guy, fresh legs, give him a new start. It makes sense to me. And then you take Fields or even Trey Lance at six. Uh, uh, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. I don't know about Bill Belichick, yeah. but what do I know? <laughs> I, I think that makes sense because if you look at it from the Falcons' perspective, you know, I'm assuming we throw in our 15th pick, Michelle, maybe um, another pick or two maybe even another player. But, I mean, the Falcons could definitely still take a quarterback with a 15th pick if they really want to, especially if they're yeah. not interested in a guy like Fields um, or even like Zach Wilson. I'm not really sure. You know, we don't know exactly how these quarterbacks are going to end up, like where they're exactly they're going to end up falling. But um, 
I think it could totally make sense for them if they're looking to take one of the lesser um, known quarterbacks or one of the less prominent ones. Um, but from our perspective, I think a, tra- a trade back is the most likely thing. I think if our guy isn't there at 15, I can't see Belichick just taking somebody for the sake of taking somebody that they're kind of interested in. I think he'll obviously play it safe, trade back to a low first or maybe early second, um, like he usually does. But I think the the Fields rumors are definitely very intriguing. Like, I like Justin Fields. I think, you know, he could be great. There is the concern with the Ohio State quarterback and, like, how well his game can really translate to the NFL. But, um, I mean, you look at guys like Trey Lance, who's a lot of their game is predicated on running and being mobile, but his pro day, he looked, like, amazing. Uh, so, hopefully, if we do end up with a guy like Fields or a guy like Lance, uh, we're able to kind of help their game transition to the NFL. Uh, I'd definitely be down for that. I think they'd probably do a year behind Newton. I don't think you would have brought in Newton if you're not going to have him start. I just don't think that makes makes much sense. But uh, yeah, no, no, I'm definitely definitely cool with that. Bringing one of those guys in. Now I'm asking Jordan and Pat because I know Dylan's not a he, he's not a Pats fan, so he really doesn't care about this. But <laughs> at 15 or trading up to let's say the scenario is they trade up to six. The the news breaks. The Patriots have traded. Um, the 15th overall pick and Sony Michelle to the Atlanta Falcons for the sixth overall pick. Who do you want there? Trey Lance, Justin Fields. That's tough. That's, I like, that would I like be... Lance the most personally, but I know. But I at the same it. time, I feel like Lance would fall a little further back. You can maybe right. grab Fields, not Fields, Lance at 15. So I feel like if yeah. I heard that they're going to, Oh, they're trading up to six. I, I'm, I'm thinking Justin Fields right there, but I would prefer Trey Lance. But have him. If, if you guys catch my drift, I'd rather yeah, get Fields at fifteen. Then if you want Lance, take him further back. Yeah. The thing is, so though, I, wonder... I don't, I don't see Lance slipping to fifteen. I, like, I think he'll slip further than Fields because I think the hype is still. Fields still has that hype from the national championship, like how it is. I feel like, but I don't. I think Lance will fall like. Panthers are at seven, I think. Like, I don't think he falls below seven, in my opinion. If he fell to 15, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. If any of those four fall to 15, you would take them. Especially, you know, Fields and Lance being the ones that, you, you know, are most likely going to be the last ones off the board. But, um, what are you going to say, Pat? You can go. Um, I kind of forget what I was going to say. Uh... <laughs> I can. I'll, I'll okay. give you some time to think. I, I think, yeah. to answer Anthony's question, I would probably lean... Lance, because I think his throwing ability is a bit better in terms of accuracy. I think Fields may have the better arm, but I think that um, if you're looking at like what translates better to the NFL, I would say Lance by a hair. But at th- at this point, I think like they're very similar like prospects. I don't think you can project either one of them to be like wildly better than the other in the first you know five to ten years. So I think it's mm-hmm. kind of like. You can't really go wrong at this point. But neither of them, are, neither of them, have a significant advantage over the other. If you end up picking Fields and Lance turns out to be great, it's like, oh well, we picked wrong. If you pick Lance and Fields turns out to be great, it's like, oh well, I don't think there's like, there's any like discrepancies between. It's not the like two a no brainer where you exactly you, you screw up the pick and it's not like I don't know the Jags go ahead and grab Zach Wilson at one. Zach Wilson yeah. ends up sucking. Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jets, wins them ten thousand yeah. Super Bowls. I'm just exaggerating here. Well, like that's a no-brainer, but in, I yeah. get what you're saying in this case that if we draft Lance Fields ends up being really good, oh well, and if and vice versa, I get it. And hmm. like to, for an example, like I think when Lamar Jackson slipped 
um, the year we drafted Sony Michelle at what was it, thirty or thirty-one? Thirty-one. <laughs> Still haunts the Patriots fans. Dylan's laughing at us, but um, it, I think that's kind of how I would view like a, a missed pick. It'd be like you know we were all expecting like you got to draft a QB, you got to draft a QB. Lamar was sitting there for us at the end of the first round, and we just passed on him. That's why people rip mm-hmm. Belichick for it. You had a, you had the chance to take him. If this was like Anthony was explaining this situation, it's like you can't really be mad at if he takes either one. I think there's supporters for both. There's Patriots fans that really want Lance, and there's Patriots field fans that really want Fields. And then at the same time, there's there's Pats fans that wouldn't, you know, really care who it is, and we just want a quarterback. So I think this is kind of like Belichick needs to do it and just take one of them. Like, it doesn't matter. Whichever one he feels is going to give him the best chance to win in the future, do it, because I don't think you can really go wrong. There's also yeah, Patriots think... fans that want Jared Statham. Continue. Yeah, that. yeah, one. yeah. Yeah, Patriots fans. <laughs> um, I was thinking though, if you're if you do end up getting the sixth pick, if you're going from like a value perspective, then I guess you would kind of want to go with Fields because he's technically like the more more tattered prospect. Um, but also, I can kind of see Belichick just kind of waiting to see who falls into his lap. I'm sure he has an array of prospects that he thinks are, you know suitable Patriots, so I'm sure he doesn't have his sights set on like just one guy. You know, he has contingencies, you know, he has backup plans. So, uh, if we were to trade up to like six, I'd ex- fully expect Fields or Lance. I'd prefer Lance personally, um, but I think if you trade up to that spot, most people would expect Fields just because he's kind of been that consensus number two guy um, for much of like the past year. So, that's kind of my two cents on it. I just think that um, Fields is kind of you know, obviously there's Trevor Lawrence, but then there's Fields is kind of like right here. Um, mm. And, you know, obviously we'll see how that pans out in the pros. But um, personally, I'd love if we stayed at 15 and got Lance. Like, I think that's great because they're also talking about moving up to six. I think that's a couple more million in guaranteed money that you got to pay him. So mm. I think Belichick would also be kind of wary about that, given a lot of money to a young quarterback. Yep. But, yeah. Yeah, if you can grab Lance at 15 and not give up anything. I mean, as much crap as I've talked about Sonny (laughs) Michel, you wouldn't want to give a piece like him up just because he provides so much depth to this running back room. And the fact that you'd be giving him up to go and get a quarterback that you got to pay more money for, and you don't even know if he's going to be that good or not. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But if, if you really had to absolutely go for it, I wouldn't like the Gilmore trade that we talked about a week ago. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I'm not, necessarily in favor of it right i'm neutral i'm right Mm -hmm. yeah i mean even like there's a lot of rumors obviously around this time but even the roster right now after everything is settled after free agency has ended and all the pretty much every re-signing is is good just left with what we have now i mean this team should make the playoffs next year to be completely honest i mean the defense has gotten extraordinarily better um you know, hopefully we're we're assuming Cam Newton had some type of underlying injury or, you know, some some remnants maybe of COVID that kind of slowed him down that will turn him back into a serviceable quarterback. You've got um, increased weapons on the offensive side and you really didn't lose anything except Joe Tooney um, that was of significance. And you still sit with the 15th pick in the draft. And even let's just take it at its core and say that we, you know, don't move up or don't move down. If you have 15, there's going to be options there. And most likely if um, if all four of those quarterbacks are gone, one of those three receivers and Waddle, Smith and uh, Jamar Chase 
will be available, and then you can increase the offense that way again. So, you know, there's pretty much seven options, I think, at this point for the Patriots at 15. If if one of the four quarterbacks is available, every single one of those guys should be set precedent over the other one, over any other pick. If none of those guys are available, most likely, just the way the draft usually goes, one of those receivers will be available. And at that point, I think you still win. I I don't think you Mm -hmm. can really lose at that point. I think the only situation they run into is if seven out of the 15 picks are wide receivers and quarterbacks, which I don't see happening because it never happens that way. Yeah, that, that absolutely never happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so at that one point, year we need it to not happen that way. Watch it. Happen. Yeah, it'll happen. Watch. Yeah. Yep. But even like, um, not to cut you off, Jordan, but, but you look at last year where you had like CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson and even like Jalen Rager, they dropped into the low or rather high teens and 20s. So people were expecting mm-hmm. them to go to even like 10 or maybe eight or something, but you, you know, you never yep. know what can happen. Those guys can fall easily. Yep. Yeah, and you had and you had Judy and uh, Rugs and um, and them fall out of the top ten, and some people were like Judy might go five or six, and he dropped you know six or six or seven spots. So, I mean, yeah. teams teams can just simply you know their draft strategy can just change on a dime if if they're um, like you don't know if you guys seen that video of the um, Vikings after the Eagles took Rieger. The Vikings, like front office on their on their Zoom cameras, were all like cheering because they completely threw out their drafting and just took Justin Jefferson because they thought he was yeah. going to go earlier. So it, it's kind of just like teams can switch on a dime. They may have Plan A and Plan B, um, and whatever happens, you know, the picks before them can completely change their Make direction. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, yeah, I think the the team looks good right now. Just straight what we have right now, I think it's a playoff team you still have the 15th pick to work with and some tradable assets like moving into the top 10 wouldn't be bad. But even if we stand pat at 15, I don't think people should be mad. I think at that point, if you, if you have enough trust in Cam Newton, you know, why, why move up and and send someone, you send your pick and send a good asset to move up into six when you can just take, you know, an offensive asset at 15. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, Yeah. I, I think that's, all we got for the Patriots talk, and that might be all we have for um, talk overall. We're coming up in 40 minutes. We can maybe just go around if anyone has anything else they want to finish off the pod with. Other than that, I think we're good. Excuses are for wusses. <laughs> Spencer Lee is the best college athlete right now, overall, hands down. Nobody does it. Nobody will ever do what he did this past weekend. And if you don't know what he did this past weekend – then you don't you don't like sports. I am sorry. D- stop listening to our podcast. Um, and there goes half of our viewers. Uh, he wrestled no ACLs. He tore his ACL. Uh, Spencer Lee of Iowa, one twenty five pounder, tore his ACL eight days prior to the national tournament. Wrestled on it, won his third national title. Mike drop. Shall I say any more? <laughs> Shout out to him, man. He's an absolute built beast. different. Yeah, the definition of different. different. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's crazy. I saw that story. I don't follow college wrestling at all. Like I, am completely clueless. But I saw that on ESPN, and I was like, damn. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah. That's, holy uh, shit. Yeah, that's. I'm pretty quite, sure he. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he tore one at the beginning of the of the season two. I thought I saw, but he just never got he, it repaired. He, he he originally tore his first one in high school. Got that repaired. Tore, I think he tore it in the finals of the national tournament in 2019. He tore it in the finals, wrestled through that. And then he toured the other one in uh, eight days prior to this tournament. 
Man's got some bad luck. He's got I know, four torn ACLs. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Makes you, it makes you feel like any high school athlete that sat out due to literally anything. I had yeah. a problem with like a nerve in my neck and I was moaning and bitching about it like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> like I was like, I can't do this. I can't do that. And he just did that. Yeah. It makes me feel like an absolute wuss. <laughs> I didn't even know that was possible. I did not know yeah, you could facts. on torn ACLs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I didn't even know you could walk on them. Let alone, I mean, I know you could walk on one torn ACL, but two? Yeah, like, it just seems like that's, like, crazy to wrestle yeah. on it. Like, what the hell? I don't know how. I don't know how he's how he did that, but, that, yeah, that was crazy. Um, Pat or Dylan, you got anything? I mean, the Spurs just officially released LaMarcus Aldridge, but that's not really – because at this point of his career, he's really nothing like crazy. Yeah, so no. He's not really going to switch up the NBA landscape or anything. It, you know what's annoying about buyout? I hate buyouts right now because at this point, when there's when there's a clear powerhouse in the league, everyone's like, Aldridge could just be like, I just want a ring and I'm just going to sign minimal with the Nets. I mean, like this could any, the same thing could happen with like Drummond. Like, I, I just want a ring. I mean, these older players that are like not, you know, ideal for like a younger team or someone who's um trying to rebuild like they're just going to sign that's what blake griffin did like he's just going to sign with the best team i don't understand like i don't necessarily love buyouts i would rather have it be like you can release this guy and take a cut um and you get you know like reduction on his pay but you still have to pay him a certain amount for the rest of the year and he can't sign with anyone i hate that you can just sign with whoever you want and and just like like Jeff Teague is gonna get bought out by the Magic, he could just go sign with the Nets, and like there he, he he's like gonna win a ring. Like it's I just think it's yeah. stupid. Yeah, and honestly, dumb. I'm back when oh, I th- I think it was when KD joined the Warriors. I remember like Adam Silver saying that he w- if it got like too out of hand, he would consider stepping in. I don't even think like adding Marcus Aldridge would be enough for him to step in. No, Marcus Aldridge. Whoa. Yeah, Marcus Aldridge. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I can't stand that. And it's crazy to think about how, um, you know, we had gotten rid of, or we were rid of a, uh, super team for like a year before another one yeah. showed up. Last year, the yeah. NBA landscape was so perfect. And then, mm-hmm. oh yeah. And what sucks is the, the door, mm-hmm. the door was open for the Celtics. That was the year to just box her out. You got the heat to run through and then the Lakers mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. Yeah. Now you've got that team and it just sucks because that's the this is what the nba is now and it's unfortunate because once and LeBron one team, ruined it when he signed with the heat yeah i mean to be honest yeah it he started this whole super team joined the best team you yeah, could argue and then he really did yeah you could argue the celtics may argue, a little bit you could it's a little different though because lebron like and chris bosh both signed there whereas yeah. we traded okay. for kg and signed right Allen. so yeah i don't mind like when you talk about super teams i don't mind like teams moving assets for like if OKC started just moving picks for players like that's not a super team because they like you know that's how you build the team the problem right. I have is like what the Nets did where it's like you sign KD yeah you sign KD and Kyrie because you knew they were just gonna go wherever together and then like yeah you trade for Harden but it's like Harden just like babies on the Rockets and like doesn't want to play and then just you know comes to the Nets and just turns into a god it's like Harden's pretty much Harden pretty much controlled them he was like, yeah. listen, you're trading me to the Nets. I don't yeah. care what it takes. I'm going to Brooklyn. Yeah, exactly. yeah Harden, Harden like spontaneously gained 50 pounds and dropped it all on the way to 
Dude, on the airplane. That was so, people are, I legitimately think he wore a fat suit. Like, not even kidding. Like, I was listening to Blake Griffin talk about it, and he was saying that, like, what a lot of people do is they wear so many, like, warm-ups and stuff. They have, like, their jersey on, and they have their undershirt on. They also have a T-shirt on, and then their warm-ups, and then, like, it, it adds up. But there, there's no way Harden can look like that. With, that one picture. Yeah, that one picture that yeah. was, like, trending. I was like, there's yeah. no way that this guy, like... <laughs> and he was just like not even trying on some plays. It was just ridiculous. But yeah. And yeah. he goes to the Nets and then he's just, yeah. back, just back in form. Yeah, now he's MVP yeah. Harden again. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But yeah, those buyouts will be interesting. All right. I think that'll wrap it up. We're uh coming up on fifty here. That'll that'll do it for episode three, new guys podcast. Or episode two? Season three episode or episode two? two? Season three episode, episode two, two, season three. Uh that is it. We're out.